Happy New Year! Welcome to the first episode, I think, of the new year. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it's the fifth today. Is it? Yeah. It shows you how much I have. <laughs> yeah, first episode of the new year, 2019, and we have a great month in store for you. Certainly have. Murder month, beginning yes. today. Da, da, da. You ask, we deliver. Yeah. Um, how you been, Rob? All right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good. I, Doing Good. what I need to do. Doing what you usual. Need to do. Cracking on. Yeah. My van got wrecked. Yeah, yeah, you were saying the other day, yeah. Are you sure it wasn't you with yeah. this? Absolutely positive it wasn't that nice. No. Some bastard, when I was away, some fucker, scratched my van to pieces and slashed two tyres. That's very kind of him. Yeah, yeah. Cost me the uh, best part of 500 quid to sort out. Uh, I'll be claiming that money back. And um, I've also I went to the police about it, actually. I said, look, man, some geezer's been scratching my van to pieces. Scratches are scratches, but like... I lost, uh, I couldn't go to, I was supposed to be in Manchester yesterday, I was going to go up there and push some people in some canals, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, because my, my van was fucked, yeah. um, so I spoke to the cops, and they said, listen man, I said, if I film it, are you going to do something about it, because I don't want to park my van where it's been parked, and risk getting battered again, if you're not, gonna, and they went, yeah, if you can catch someone doing that, they'll get locked up, it's criminal damage, so if, if anyone's doing this, whoever it is, if you listen to this, stop, because if I catch you, you're going to go down, you fuck, Nice and simple. Yeah, you bastard. Bastards. Other than that, mate, getting up in the morning was difficult after Christmas. Yeah, but it was. Do you find getting up in the morning easy? Um, Usually, yeah. I'm all right with the mornings. Really? It's night time where I'm just like, oh, fuck off. I, feel. <laughs> I, just I, want, I want, like, um, my own time, you know what I mean? I just want to just go, uh, yeah, I and mung out, so to speak. I find the first five minutes of getting up hard. Like it really, like uh, in both ways. <laughs> uh, usually, it it um it wrecks my it wrecks my pre- my night before if I know I'm getting up really early. It, after quarter to seven in the morning, I'm all right. If it's before quarter to seven, you're fucked. I'm not happy about that. Then it tends to ruin it. And if it's if it's like five four o'clock in the morning, I mean you just got to do a line to keep yourself awake at yeah. that time. <laughs> <laughs> Best way. I had a message from Steve Bostock. Yeah. Uh, about a really creepy news story. He put it. He sent it to the robots page. Did you see that this morning? No. Hello, cat. That's Bean. Um, yes. Um, it was about. <laughs> well, it seems to be stories emerging of a twenty-year-old woman in Arizona that's been in a coma for years due to some sort of like um, swimming accident, right? Like drowning, and she's just given birth. What? Yeah. And she's been in coma for years? Yeah. He's been pacing her in hospital. It's <laughs> 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 creepy, isn't it? But, but how, if, if she wakes up, but she, well, she does, she's going to be a bit monged, isn't she? But, I mean, that's, I think that is the technical term for it, monged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's what they say. So she probably won't realise that she's got a kid if you went, you've got a kid and just kept repeating it to her. But, You'd be, uh, yeah, you'd be a bit like if you like the parents or anyone in the family. Go, hang on a second, what the fuck what's yeah. going on yeah. here? Who's what's going on? Yeah, I mean, what what have they claimed? What, well, has, what have they said? I didn't read into this. I mean, he only sent it like an hour ago, so I didn't have time to read it. But I just read like the first, like the headline: "Woman in coma for years gives birth." And I was like, "What? How how do you uh, disguise that?" Well, they did. They didn't. They, they didn't. Apparently, they didn't know she was pregnant until she gave birth. I was like, "What?" What kind of care home is this? I mean, you're you not sure like looking doc- at her yeah, ever. You say you're sure it's the doctors. Oh, someone's been doing something, haven't they? Or hospital, sorry. Someone's been. We've got a cat on the desk. Any cat's going nuts for some reason. Start screaming down the mic. I don't know why she does that. She's just weirdo. Yeah. 
Piss off, Bean. Nope, she's not having it. <laughs> uh, Lisa, I'm going to send you your stickers soon. She was on, um, I think it was on Twitter. Uh, yeah, but you're going to have to wait because I'm completely skint due to van repairs. Yes. Repairing a van that isn't even mine, bastards. And uh, Miss Jilly Vanilli on <laughs> Instagram. Jilly Vanilli. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah. I also got a, um, a message off uh, Captain Lieutenant Paul Sparrow. Oh, right. I haven't heard from him for a while, really. I've seen some of his messages proper, but not like a, a personal one now. They kind of like, he says it run. on his page. He's on the run. <laughs> yeah, he's on the run. He's on the run. Yeah, well, he's actually Dennis Nilsson, isn't he? Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he was commenting in on um, the serial killer uh, memorabilia that yeah. we covered. What was it? That was last week, wasn't it? And he says he, um, he's he got a client who's a 90-year-old woman. He dec- I think he decorates a house. And she's got a portrait of Jimmy Savile Painted by Rolf Harris. What? Boom! Cash, money, cash, hoes, what? Yeah, man, that's a blinder. Yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah, man. <laughs> Jesus. So it's out there, man. You can get some creepy stuff. So you've got a painting of a murderer by a paedophile. <laughs> yeah. A murdering paedophile drawn by a paedophile. <laughs> Who were both t- children's TV presenters. Who may, for all I know, may have killed someone. Well, we don't know. Obviously, Rolf, he's, uh, I think he's out now. So, uh, you know, anything's, everything's alleged. Yeah. Come at us, Rolf. Yeah. So, <laughs> swap update? What you uh, you got to um? I haven't uh, yeah, I haven't looked at it. Have I since um? Well, what's your plans? Because you've had some decent offers. I know. Yeah, I had um a cigar. You were swapping a pound, weren't you, to see if you could get it to a, a house by the end of the year? Um, I I think the the painting's gonna have to be the the winner at the moment. Good choice. Because it's uh, you know, it's an original. As far as I know, is, you know, someone just drawn yeah, it. And put John some John's a legit artist. Have you seen his page? Oh, you don't no, know no. social media. So. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, yeah. So I'd say the painting. You got the cigarette. There was, there was a, some um, chocolates, which I thought was quite good. Yeah, but uh, it'd be hard to swap that for something else. You know what I mean? I think the painting is a, a or a drawing. Whatever John's gonna do if he does it is a solid step up. I mean, that's like that's a big boost. A couple, yeah, a couple of runs at the ladder straight away. Yeah, yeah. It's you know what I mean? Yeah, one big, one giant leap for mankind. Something with material value and welfare. You know what I mean? Proper. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. You're going to contact him. Um, I will message on my page, on my page, <laughs> on on uh, our page <laughs> in a bit, probably uh, when I've got some time to do that. If you get me, <laughs> okay, without yeah. fighting the screen because my phone's absolutely battered it and is, doesn't it work. Wrecked. It is wrecked, isn't it? So we've got a one of a kind T-shirt that, well, it's, we haven't got it. The Duvals have it over in um, Australia, and uh, we were going to give that away in some form of competition. Um, so if you want it, and it is a one of a kind, I spoke to Alex this morning, and I think probably f- whoever takes a screen grab or reviews the dude files on iTunes and reviews us on iTunes first, you're going to get a one of a kind T-shirt. Fuck all for fuck all. Would it'll just get sent oh, to you? I just I just would have thought we'd just put it on eBay. <laughs> 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 so get on that, people, fast because um, if you want it, it's there. Think yeah, of that a one of a kind. Imagine that. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. He also said he he wants your pubes because you still haven't sent him some pubes. Oh, right, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So you're going to have to... He said he's going to do some sort of ritual. Okay, yeah. I'll, so I'll give him um, a nice amount. Yeah, just put it in like a little drug bag and send it to the other side of the world. <laughs> no, he's going to use it as a rape scene or something, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> no, no, yeah, get done yeah, yeah. Like, What? Yeah. <laughs> you were yeah. in Belgium yesterday. Yeah. No, I wasn't. Do it, Alex. That'd <laughs> yeah. be hilarious. Go and kill someone and blame Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and the snipers we're going to do did I say that at the beginning I can't remember if I did 
We're going to do a show with the snipers, I think, towards the end of the month. No, you did, but you didn't say it on uh, on Mike. Well, yeah. I don't think you did. So oh. if you did, it's twice now. Yeah, but, well, yeah. if I did... It's going to be that good, it needs to be mentioned twice. If I did, I can't remember. If I did, then you know. If I didn't, you don't know, I'm not going to tell you, but it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be a good one. So you can get at us at, um, at Patreon if you want to give us a quid, but if you don't, who Just cares? give us 50 grand, <laughs> 60 grand, 70 grand. We ain't bothered either way. 100 grand, I'll do this for a living. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would. Fucking damn right. And uh, I think um, just at Robots for Eyes podcast across all social media, that'll cover it. Yeah, that one. Just do that on we'll Google. We'll do that on that one. And, yeah. I reckon from now, we should go drink and get into the first instalment of Murder Month. I did that. No, it's murders. Moore's murders. Ah, okay. Charming couple, Ian Brady, Myra Hindley. Yes. How so it's the double team. The double team, yeah. Tag team. Yeah, I suppose it was a tag team. In. It was. It was kind of, ta- from what I gather, it's um, um, sort of, it was definitely tag teamed. It yeah. was kind of like one sort of persuaded them in the other one. And then it was like, it's getting a bit too hardcore now. Tag you in, mate. Yeah. And he comes in. Yeah. <laughs> stabs him. <laughs> Pretty much, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. End of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they sort of became infamous between July 63 and October 65 for the, well, rape and murder of at least five children. And we always say at least, don't we? Because it's usually more, isn't it, really? It's usually more. They actually did claim for more, but it hasn't been proven. Uh, yeah, they killed five kids at least, and they buried their bodies on Saddleworth Moor up in the Peak District, and where, where they dispose of the bodies. Um, I think the area is about 30 square miles, so it's quite a large expanse of remote sort of, you know, mm. mountainous, hilly moorland. Yeah. Difficult to to, uh, to search that. And they were fucking crazy. They were mad as fucking hot as these pair was. They didn't give a fuck about anything. Like the circumstances around surrounding their arrest, for instance, shows that they were sort of extremely complacent towards the end and and completely detached from reality. And yeah, we'll get in, we'll get into that at the end. But it's it's fucking nuts, man. Um, particularly shocking as well. I mean, you know, like back in the sixties, if you showed you know a lady's midriff people would be fainting, wouldn't they? But let alone a young couple, you know, especially a woman, going out and abducting and raping and killing children was, I mean, it's shocking now, but back then it sort of, it blew everyone's tick boxes wide open. They didn't know what was going on. Most people seem to, and it kind of is true, associate murderers with men, usually. So it's, you know, it's... um. It is. It does seem to be more of a male trait, doesn't it? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I don't know why, whether that's... I don't know. 
males tend to be more aggressive, don't they? Across the board, Blankers. through through many like animals, don't they? They always seem to be the yeah. B- maybe it's the just pricks a, of the bunch. Yeah, maybe it's just like um a uh, um I don't know evolutional thing, like you say, yeah, hunter gatherer. You, you know, you see these apes and stuff. On, you know, and, and when one comes along and fights, they fight. They, they rip them to pieces, and yeah. then the other blokes are in there ripping them to pieces as well. And yeah. you know, so may, maybe it is, but it's a bit you know. I think kind of like the female killers are a bit like tarantulas because they they lure the man to to sex and then and then fucking kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will more on that in a few more weeks. Nice. But they were only young when they did it. Ian Brady was twenty six, and I think Myra Henley was twenty one. Man. Oh right, she's okay. Hit the ground running. They were, I suppose, a good a good looking couple, depending on what you uh, you know, what your taste is. But you know, working together like you say, fucking hell, and it was horrible. We'll, we'll get more into this as we go through, but like their sadistic, like sexual murder games were next level. I wonder, I wonder if like a couple like that, not like a, not just male and female, just anyone who's done a murder with someone else. The aftermath after doing what have they done and like, got rid of the body when they sit back in the car or wherever they go and they go, fuck, do they do that or do they just go? Anyway, um, do you I fancy a steak dinner? I think they literally fuck and they yeah. go, oh yeah, come on, and they fucking get off on yeah. it. Oh, I really oh, do, wow. mate, yeah. So this this whole case is going to get progressively more disturbing until we get sort of almost to the end where there's a girl called, um, uh, she was 10 years old, Leslie Ann Downey, and they actually recorded her being tortured to death while she cried for a mum. I didn't realise that until I was, I had to research this at Christmas. Nice. And I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? <laughs> Wrecked Christmas, mate. So they're totally devoid of emotion, <clears throat> and it's going to be a bad one. Yeah. All victims between the age of 10 and 17. And uh, a lot of the details of the murders didn't come out until 1985, which is sort of, you know, over 20 years in some cases. Mm, yeah. Because they just, they didn't speak. They just kept their mouth shut. They only spoke about the shit they got busted for. Yeah. And the, the rest, which they knew they did, because they didn't really, they couldn't pin it on them. They just kept their mouth shut. Proper cunts, mate. Yeah. Proper cunts. Definitely. So, excuse me, uh, a little bit about Ian Brady. He was born 2nd of January 1938 in Glasgow to 28-year-old Maggie Stewart. That's his mum. She was a waitress. The identification of his dad is is not known. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Classic yeah. case. Either he's a, a beetle or he's unknown. <laughs> Did you say he, either he was a, he's a beetle? He's a Beatle or he's unknown. Yeah, he's definitely. John Lennon, we Paul McCartney, Ringo yeah. or George, or no one knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of it's one of those four. <laughs> <laughs> or no one knows, and that's what makes the, the best serial killers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Descending into chaos. So yeah, he was brought up in a slum, and I mean, I guess him from like an early age, he had to learn to defend himself, and it sort of made him a cold, remorseless fuck. And mm. as we've heard many times before, like, you know, you s- with these cases. Tends to be the case. Uh, he's, his mum actually put him up for... I think it wasn't adoption. She kind of just gave him to a, a local family when he was like two or three months of age. It's That's not like nice she fucked fun. him off, but she couldn't couldn't cope. Hard right. times, mate, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Back in the whatever... Was 60s, no, before that, was it? Before it would have been before well, that. Well, it was in the 30s when he was, yeah, when yeah. He was born. So, yeah, man. <clears throat> so, uh, hard times, man. So, during his childhood, there were warning signs that things weren't quite right with him. You know, the standard flags for concern. But yep. back then, man, no one gave a fuck. No. Nah. They didn't care. They just thought he was being a bit mischievous. You know what I mean? Like, he torture animals to death. He's, he's just classic. Another classic. There's two ticks. Check. Check. No, no, it's the dad. No. Check. <laughs> yeah. 
It's either that or there's like a, a tree link to it which says, "Does did Dad beat you? Yes. Or rape you? Yes. Tick. Yeah. You Dad was I mean? in the Beatles. Check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He set fire to a dog just to see what would happen apparently, just for a laugh. Um, and then he actually progressed from that to actually like beating up kids in school. Not bullying them, just yeah. random yeah. assaults. <laughs> just right. bosh, have that, you prick. You know what I mean? Um, and as, as, a, as a youngster, I think like in his sort of teenagers, he, he cited... Um, have like a weird, strange trait of smashing his head against walls if he didn't get his way or if he was told what to do. So I don't know if that constitutes as a head injury, but check. You know what I mean? Well, I th- uh, to be honest, I, th- I think he's already on the path of, without the head injury, even if if that was the case, if he managed to knock some of and go, do you know what, I'm going to kill now. Yeah. But if he was burning, setting fire to dogs and stuff, then it makes me think, um, hmm, yeah, he's, he was already on that path. Yeah, he was. He was sort of heading. See what happens? Just to see what happens. Uh, I'll tell you what would happen before you do that. The dog's going to burn to death. Yeah. I think it's pretty simple. He, he, he does a couple of things in there where he was just testing to see what You'll would happen. You'll get one hot dog, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your buns out, mate. <laughs> yeah. Your um, yeah, man. But because he was doing weird shit like that, he's like fighting kids for no reason. Well, it's not even fighting, he's attacking them. Yeah. He's smashing his head against the wall. Other kids, and he set fire to dogs. Other kids in the neighbourhood were like seeing him headbutting lampposts. And like, oh, look, there's that kid who sets fire to dogs. Smashing his head against the wall. We'll fucking stay, stay clear of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty logical thing to do. Just basically stay. Oh, who's that over there? It's Ian. Just stay well clear of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the yeah. thing was, because they were not socialising with him, it, he sort of became isolated and he thought it was them because he thought he was right all the time, but he didn't realise, you know, it's because you're fucking doing crazy shit, you mad bastard. Mm. Stop fucking burning dogs and get rid of your dad who's in the Beatles and stop, you know, headbutting yeah. lampposts and maybe they'll... <laughs> <laughs> You find your dad. Which beat was it? That's what drives him to murder. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. No, he was fucking Ringo and he was like, oh my God, the shittest one. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's that's torn it. Did, did you say, like, um, someone asked John Lennon, they said, do you think um, Ringo Starr's the best drummer in the world? Then he went, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why. Anyway, he, at secondary school, he was, um, I think the school he went to was for above average students. So he's displaying a level of intelligence, which is another tick box in these cases, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And from the ages of about 13 to 16, he, he got busted for burglary, I think, three times. Uh, got a criminal record, obviously, and actually spent time inside in, in juvie, um, which is probably better than his standard of living on the outside, yeah, which yeah. is a lot of the time that seems to be the case with these mm. these instances. People do mad shit, and the punishment is... Oh, you get to live in a, a warm place with a bed and we'll give you three meals a day. I'm yeah. Like, fucking wicked. And a routine. And I like killing people as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a double, wham- it's a double winner. But back then, when you got banged up by authorities, what they do, I don't know if they do it now, but they'd teach you like a trade so you'd be skilled to try and sort of, you know. I think they still do that. Yeah. And uh, so, like, um, when he came out, I think he got some sort of job as a, uh, uh, a store clerk. So, like, he was some sort of bookkeeper or some bollocks like that, you know what I mean? They've mm. given him some, at least a skill so he was able to earn money. To try and become normal. Which would, I suppose if you've got a job and you can earn money, you're less likely to stray, like you say, routine. But that was at a place called Millwood's Merchandising. Uh, I think he got that job in 1957, and that's where he met Myra Hindley. Uh, but when he was in juvie, his mother moved, like uh, relocated from Scotland down to Manchester for work purposes, and I think... Um, uh, you know, when he was 16, the, the Scottish court actually ordered him to move in with her. Thought it was going to be better. Um, and around this time, he suffered 
what he says, I mean, we've got nothing to sort of go off because he wasn't sort of being checked, but he, he reckons he had some sort of mental breakdown. He reckons he was riding a bike, just minding his own business. Uh, something told him in his head to stop. So he did. He pulls over, walks into the sort of the doorway of a shop, stared at a wall, and he said that a green image of death appeared to him, like a, a some sort of devilly monster thing. He said at that moment, that was when he changed. He puts it down to that. Mm. Really? You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know, mate. It just sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd be like, mate... What LSD you been having? <laughs> yeah, can I have some? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. Get yeah. off your dad, Ringo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit of a bookworm. He liked reading. Yeah, um, but not normal shit. He got into really, really dark literature, like sadistic writing, like Antichrist shit. Yeah, loved the fucking Nazis, especially their actions in World War Two. Sympathised with them. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was alive while it was going down. I suppose, yeah, yeah. So like, his favourite book was Hitler's autobiography, Mein Kampf. Fucking banging read, as well as other books, obviously on yeah. like sexual perversion and all sorts of weird shit, and how to get away with murdering little little boys and girls. Yeah, pretty with, much with a partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He um, it's definitely a worrying sign, isn't it? Yeah. He he, he liked the idea of being in in some form of like remorseless regime where he could just kill indiscriminately without any consequence. He openly admits he said that was fucking that's boner time for him. Okay. Nice. Yeah, okay, Ian. Little Ian. You're only, what, fucking 16 or something. I want to kill! I want to kill! Okay. I'd be like... Um, With his book tucked under his arm. I'd be like, you see that uh, basement room there? Can you just go in there for a second? <laughs> yeah. Thwack. Yeah, 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 yeah. He worked in a butcher's and said that that's where he sort of... I don't know if it desensitised him, but if you're chopping... Dead animals up. You can see where that's leading, can't yeah. you? yeah. Well, he's burning animals as well, so he's seen the horror side of him. Obviously, them struggling, and then he's just cutting dead flesh, basically. So yeah, he also worked in a, in a as a labourer in a brewery, just like moving beer around. I did that once. That was a wicked job because at Christmas they just you just got fuck shitloads of beer from customers that you've been going to at the weekend, like uh, through the w- for the year. Yeah, you turn up and they go, "Yeah, he's a crate for you." You couldn't carry it home. There's that many. Yeah, I've yeah. got sixteen crates in the back. Honestly, just because I was getting the training, I had to stage my, my carrying it back. I've got, I've got fifteen crates here, <laughs> and I'm only twenty. How am I going to carry these twenty <laughs> miles across? But fucking, and he also spent periods of time unemployed. Mm. So you can see he's quite an unremarkable person. Mm. There's nothing. He's unremarkable compared to normal people. He's remarkable in the sense of what he's going to do. But, you know, he's just he thought he was brilliant. And he thought everybody should be in awe of him um, and that he was special. So proper camp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no head injury in his past other than smashing his... just banging his head against the wall like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and seeing the face of the devil. Apparently. He's green. Sounds like slime with anything the Ghostbusters. Maybe he just sneezed up the wall. Could be. And he just saw a face, isn't it? Yeah, possible, man. Who knows? I mean... So before we briefly go into Myra Hindley's past, it's worth noting straight from the outset that she claims that she's a victim. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. She, she's she been murdered a few times then. Well, she reckons she was forced into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she was repeatedly raped by him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, mate. It's all bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, you can't You can't believe anything that a sadistic serial child killer says, man. I think if it, if it bothered you that much, right? Especially if you after the first murder, I think you'd have just packed your bags and fucked off. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and he's got no chance of finding you. You just fucked off somewhere like I don't know, 
Devon or something. Or just report him to the police. Yeah, re- yeah, report him to the police. Yeah, simple as. Get rid of him like that. Yeah, done. Well, psychologists actually referred to her as she. They said that she was like a chameleon. Um, she was able to change herself, so to speak, adopting sort of you know whatever. Uh, camouflage she needed, telling others whatever she believed they wanted to hear or wanted to hear. She also became religious in prison. It's all like a complete farce just to try and blag p- prison officials into yeah, yeah. thinking that she was... That she's okay. Really, she should, should be lenient on her. Well, it makes it even more creepy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that she's it trying to blag everyone to get out. Brady didn't do that. It's just desperate. Yeah. Fucking mad. It's pathetic, actually. Of course it is. Completely, yeah. yeah. She's thinking about herself. So she was born 23rd of July, 1942, Manchester. Her mother, Nellie, which is a pretty badass name. Yeah. She was a machinist. I think she like worked on a lathe or, or some shit like that. Her old man uh, called Bob, he was an ex-military fella. Been to war, seen some shit. Probably got post-traumatic stress, you know what I mean? Uh, he was a bit of a pisshead. Um, standard back then, yeah. one was. Physically, mentally abusing, uh, you know what I mean. The neighbours, classic. C- yeah, yeah, man. Neighbours knew that. We know that's happening for for gospel because neighbours were reporting it. They could hear him screaming, hitting kids. You know what I mean. Should have. He missed the trick there. He should have fucking took Myra outside and just smacked her with a brick. If you're hitting her, do it properly, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean. Just fucking take that bitch out. <laughs> yeah. You know what it's like. Um, She had a sister called Maureen She was born in 46 August Some point I think Um, And and, um, as with Brady When um, she was sent off To live with her grandmother When her uh, little sister was born Because her parents couldn't cope I think it's financial cope It's not like they can't It's not like everybody back then Were incapable of looking after Only one child and not two Financial Um, But her dad fucked off for good In her early teens Which also seems to be uh, you know, a common trait, the mm. done thing in these things. She was clever, tick, <laughs> tick yeah. the checkbox, good grades, um, rarely attended school, which is surprising she had good grades, because her gran apparently would keep her home most days or quite a lot just to like run chores around the house. Right, okay. Because gran was a lazy slag apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, stupid whore. <laughs> uh, when she was 15, one of her mates called Michael Higgins, he drowned in a swimming accident. Mm-hmm. Now, she was supposed to go with him that day, um, and it kind of fucked her up a bit because she reckoned she could have saved him. Um, and it seems to be that this early brush with death at such a young age uh, affected her quite deeply. I think it opened her eyes to mortality and the fact that People can properly die. Yeah, it's, you do die. People yeah. die. It yeah. happens. And I don't know whether that fast, that opened up a you know a fascination with with <laughs> killing people. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but other than that, amidst the seemingly usual domestic violence, it was a sort of totally semi-normal childhood for the for the times at least. When she was seventeen, she actually was married to a to a fella called uh, Ronnie Sinclair, who sounds like a an East End gangster or a footballer. He sounds like a footballer to me, Ronnie Sinclair. Ronnie Sinclair, Gregor. It does sound actually gangsterish, uh, gangsterish as well. It does, doesn't it? Ronnie Sinclair, don't mess with him. Yeah, how different would life have been if she'd stayed with him? Yeah, but how different would have his his life been? He's probably. Glad it was over. Yeah. yeah. She's probably fucking complete psychopath, obviously. Oh, yeah, man, definitely. Uh, she broke the marriage off, um, saying that it didn't excite her. The thought of being married was boring. So she went on a rampage instead. 
1961, when she was 18, she got a job at Millwood's Merchandising in Manchester, mm-hmm. where where Brady had actually relocated at this point, and that's where where they met. Right. And, and by her own words, she fell for him instantly. Um, he it took him a year to. What, I don't know whether what, what turned her on him that banging his head against the wall and went, oh my God. Yeah, well, his dad was Ringo Starr, so he was thinking, fucking quit this in, son, before the Beatles were big. And then, and then we did Thomas the Tank Engine and was like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, and he's the worst drummer ever. Yeah, but it, it took him a year to, to, to notice or, or, or pay attention to her. Now, he might have done that by design. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Just sort of making himself look in demand, which is another example of his controlling nature, as we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he was a... A proper fucking controlling cunt. It was after a Christmas party, uh, a works Christmas party, that he asked her out, and she was like, "Fucking yes!" Frothing at the gash. I've been waiting a year for this. I'm wet, moist. I believe the word that girls hate the most. Isn't yeah, it? moist. Yeah, moist, 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 moist. She loved it. Um, found power in, uh, you know, in um, his affection, and he he also. Grew. Found power in his direction. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> he liked it because he had like a little follower. She was because he was an older fella. I mean, yeah. like, she she was all over him, and he was the kind of guy that I don't know, man. He just thought he was special because of that. You know what I mean? People can affect. It's weird how some people can do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. People can change people quite quickly. Yeah. Like one little incident of going out with each other, and suddenly it's a, she's a. A worse a person than she already was. Yeah, she in kept, my mind, she kept a journal. Most did back then. Yeah, fuck off with your journal. Fucking hate. I have to write in my journal. Piss off, dick. Oh, just fuck. can't you just remember yeah. what happened? Yeah. Who ca- who who is going to buy? Who cares about reading it? You know, but the police did. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. For, yeah, good good for evidence. But to be honest, a journal is usually like you say. It's just for yourself to read. Yeah, but I I wouldn't go. When did I do her? Uh, January 16th, 1992. Yeah, I best get my journal out. Can I have a look? Oh, I was five, so I was probably playing with fucking Action Man or something like that. Maybe. There we go. There we go. Oh, that's great. Burn the book. <laughs> uh, in the journal, she talks about their first date, and uh, she and Brady went out to watch the <laughs> the Nuremberg War Trials. Oh, I should do. <laughs> Solid first date, yeah, yeah. that is. And the early nights out together were... Seems like a fucking blast. They'd uh, they'd usually go to the cinema mm-hmm. and watch X-rated films. Nice. So he's going straight in for straight the hard for the porn, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, y- he hasn't. Well, he has beat around the bush. <laughs> but what I mean is, he's gone straight in there. He hasn't gone. Let's go and watch Love Actually. Well, he may have. He may have been called Love Actually, and then <laughs> so he took her to this movie, and it's a porno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> love. No, it's, it is actually Love Actually. Well, how how much was a por- what was a porno in in like the fucking fifties and sixties? I mean, how bad could that have been? I don't know. It's probably like like you see. A cheek, yeah, an ankle, an ass cheek, and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like not. I mean, if he could see the porn that's around these days, well, he, he actually made his own towards the end. But if he could see what was, it would if that was available back then, it would have just fucking either stopped him from doing it or sent him to fucking Hitler level. You yeah, know what I mean? Would have just been like massacring everyone. <laughs> so after they usually after the films, what they do is they go back to Myra Hindley's grandma's house and and drink German wine. Why not? Because he's obsessed with the Nazis. Yeah. obviously. rock and roll, man. Now, he sensed how easy she was to manipulate and he started to indoctrinate her to his world and how he how he saw things. And he'd give her Nazi reading material to study. So she'd bleach her hair. She'd bleach her hair blonde, started to wear bright red lipstick. She's proper upset, completely changed, you know what I mean? She, all she saw was a romantic guy, older guy, riding a motorbike who was into 
Hitler <laughs> uh, and <laughs> porn. Yeah, and his dad is Ringo. That's most people, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mate, mate, they'd read Nazi books and fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> Quality. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just a normal person, but likes a bit of, <laughs> likes a bit of uh, Hitler and porn. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so early in their relationship, when she was still a teenager, he would Brady would like bring his camera. I mean, I'm guessing it was some sort of old school fucking. You know the ones with the cloth that you put over the back. Yeah, yeah. Stands rigid, yeah. And and not you, fucking. And you, you always hours. got the piano music playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. And you've got to stay still for about five hours. Going. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're dead in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you take a camera around to her grand's house where she lived, and then um, they'd wait for her to go to bed. Granny, she'd fuck off and go and have a have a sleep or whatever. And then they'd strip naked, put on white hoods with slits in where the eyes were, and then photograph really violent sex sessions. Like you can see marks on Hindley's bodies, uh, or where she was like getting. Punched and whipped and shit. Uh, I mean, I'm get. I'm. Did she do it to Brady? I don't. I don't fucking know. You know she, but these are these these photographs exist. Right. Okay. And they were used in evidence. They had them. They're right. not. This is not hearsay. Are they still around? Probably. I would imagine all the evidence collected during the Moors trial were. I mean, I don't know, man. I might try and see if I can find some. You won't. I looked. White, white hooded pictures. It sounds very Ku Klux Klanish to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't find any. I, I searched everywhere. <laughs> and the favourite film was Bonnie and Clyde. Obviously, full of murder. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a couple which went around murdering, wouldn't it? So it's you know it's a win-win again. Yeah. She actually said after their arrest that um, within months Brady had convinced me that there was no God at all. I mean. It might be right there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so Brady became my idol, my my object of worship, my God. He could have told me the earth was flat, the moon was made of green cheese, and the sun rose in the west. I would have believed him. Such was the power of his persuasion. You're just a fucking idiot, mate. Do yeah. You know what I mean? If, you, <laughs> if that's how persuasive he is, you're a fucking fool. Yeah. So he... he um. She was so under his control, he'd send her to libraries, like a little servant, to collect books that he didn't want out in his name. You yeah. Know, like um, shit on... There was one book he got called, uh, called Sexual Murders, because he didn't, he didn't want it in his fucking name. No. He got her to do it. And in June 63, Brady actually moved in with, uh, with uh, Myra Hindley at her grandmother's house. Now, Hindley reckons that she was a normal person who fell, at, fell for a psychopath and was completely led astray. But I don't think so. She was a proper controlling person too. She, she'd enforce power yeah. on anyone that would let her. But Brady, he he didn't right, let so her. She liked, so she just liked being um, dominated in a way. She'd dominate everybody, yeah. but he would dominate her. Yeah, yeah. And because she, he was the only person that could sort of make her do shit. That's what made her... Yeah, she fuck. I don't know, she kind of liked it, I don't know. She wasn't roped into any of this, as she claimed. Mate, the prison guard <laughs> said that she was, um, like, she's a really, really charming person, and if you let her, let your guard down, you know, she, before you know it, she'll be in your head proper. You'll be thinking about her when you get home. And a lot of, a lot of guards actually said that, that y- you kind of want to be friends with her. Like, what? You know what mm, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Friends with someone who's murdered at least five children. Yeah. Well, you can see why... She was the one that was grabbing kids off the well, street. Well, yeah, if, if, if she's convincing the prison officers in a way to be friendly with her, yeah, then, yeah, you can see that, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Brady was fucking nuts, mate. Even in the 1990s, he was openly bragging that he gets more attention than um, Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. He's like, what? What the fuck are you doing? What? It doesn't make... I mean, just... What does... doesn't mean anything to you, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything... That's All it means is that you're more of a dick than yeah. than you. Everyone already knows. Yeah, 
that's going to crop up um, that kind of l- line of thought um, in in next week's episode, which which I'm planning now. Right. Uh, more than next week, anyway. But yeah, Brady started talking about petty crime during the beginning of their early relationship, um, kind of like trying to normalise shit. Okay. To sort of test how easy she was to manipulate. I don't think he realised how willing and complicit she was. Mm. Hardly any manipulation needed. It was like a dream come true for him. You know, just do this and she'd do it. And he was like, fuck, I don't even have to stab you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> don't, have, don't have to bring a murder into it. Just, you'll just do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, when he realises, he upped the game. When, like, the, the talk of uh, cr- crime, burglaries and bank robberies, that didn't put her off. And he was like, all right, then let's fucking up the game. Started talking about murder. And then he pretty much totally couldn't, took control of her. Mm. literally, treated her like a servant. She'd buy all the... He'd go into the pubs, sit down at the table, and she'd go and buy all the drinks. She paid for all the bus fare, train fares, whatever. If he wanted weapons, which he did at one point, um, like rifles, I think it was, he got her to join a gun club and then buy all, all the weapons illegally in her name. Yeah. So I don't think you can buy things illegally in her name, but that's... No, it's probably legal in her name, but, but not for, for him. him yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I thought, yeah. He didn't want to do anything. If he, if he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't fucking do it. Simple as that, like a mini Hitler. Mm. But she, um, Hindley, claimed on one occasion, this is this is when she was trying, I think that she's using this sort of line of thought as a ploy to distance herself from him when this all came crashing down. He, she said that he, he used to spike her, her drinks, drugged her drinks to once. Um, it's a get-out clause, really, I think. Yeah, I think so. He told her that he was apparently trying to figure out the correct dosage of pills to put his sick dog down without any suffering <laughs> so you're testing it on your girlfriend yeah that's a great it's a, that's a great partnership that is <laughs> I, I don't dog, I need to put my dog down do you mind just trying this to see how you didn't my, ask how, her just did it yeah 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 just gave it to her yeah and then try and explain it to her after imagine trying to explain it. what happened there? oh sorry yeah, I drugged your drink because I wanted to try and put my dog down I just needed to find the dosage right okay yeah. oh that's fine then <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were just drugging me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. But she said that when she wasn't conscious, he was taking pornographic pictures of her and he used them as blackmail to help her commit the killings. Uh, that doesn't fucking add up. One little fucking no, no. bit in my No, 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 no. You know what I mean? If you don't kill kids, I'm going to show a picture of your tits to everyone. I'd be like, yeah, show a picture of my tits Looks to everyone. Like my tits are going public then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know and, what I mean? and you can clearly see I'm sparked out on it, so uh, <laughs> yeah. so you're going to get done, mate. It's all threats, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or it's all bullshit, depending on what who you want to believe. Billy. Yeah, yeah, I think Billy so. Billy Ball. I think so. They called the killings recreational murders, and they did it for the rush. And on the 12th of July, 63, Brady told Henry that he wanted to commit the perfect murder. That's how he phrased it. Mm. So he told Myra to drive around the town in a van, whilst he followed behind on the motorbike. And when he saw somebody that he, he you know, wanted to kill, what he'd do is he'd flash the headlights of his motorbike as a signal, and then she would pull over and attempt to lure them into the into the car. Mm. And the first victim was 16-year-old uh, Pauline Reed. And by the way, none of this this information that we're going to come go through now came out until the mid-1980s. Okay. So it's fucking shady shit, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was... She was on her way to a dance, actually. Uh, Brady spotted her, flashing his lights. Myra pulls over and realised that she actually knew who this girl was. She was like, that's Pauline. She lives two or three doors down from me. She's friends with my little sister. Two or three doors? Oh, my. Yeah, she's mates with, like, her little sister's friends with her, man. And she's still done it as well. Still fucking did it. So she, she said to Pauline, would you mind getting in the van? 
uh, and helping us look for, uh, or helping me, she didn't know Brady was there, helping me look for a glove that I've lost up on Saddleworth Moor. And it's like, she wasn't... I'd be she, like, what? <laughs> oh, glove? What the fuck are you I'm going to just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going all the way up, up there <laughs> yeah. to fucking find a glove. A glove? Yeah. Uh, I'll buy you a... F- where's fucking the shop? I'll buy you another set. Yeah, just fucking... Just... You're all right. And she didn't suspect anything because she knew her. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite fucking... Really shady, isn't it, man? Yeah. So they uh, they they head off up to the moors and Brady's following on his motorbike behind. And she was... We think Pauline was unaware of his presence. Right, okay. Stands to reason. Uh, they used to drive up to the moors a fair bit, drinking... You know what I mean? Having picnics, taking photos, plotting, finding suitable areas where they could do shit and not be disturbed. Mm-hmm. So they knew where to go. And when they arrived, um, the pair got out, Myra and her, Pauline got out. And when Pauline's looking for the glove, up rolls Brady, chugging along on his bike. Now Hindley says, oh, this is my boyfriend. He's just turned up now to help look for the fucking glove. I mean, is this fucking Michael Jackson's glove or something? I know, yeah. Is it, how much is this glove worth? That's I mean, what I want to know. Did Jesus wear it or something? How many I, fucking free people searching I, for it? I, and we've got uh, 17 police officers scouring the woods. <laughs> it's a helicopter up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just a bit over the top, I think, for a glove. Yeah. Oh, bullshit! Yeah. So, <laughs> so, obviously, when she wasn't looking, head down, rummaging around in bushes, Brady's pushed her to the floor and then violently attacked her. She fought back, but as a 16-year-old girl... There's not a lot you're going to be able to... I mean, even if you know how to fight, this is two fully grown adults. Yeah. Aspiring Why are you in a vulnerable position as well? As in, like, you didn't expect it and suddenly you're being attacked. Yeah. Full of adrenaline because mm. they know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's frothing at the gash. He's got a fucking tent pole. You're finished. You know yeah. what I mean? It's mm. over. So what Myra says, Myra reckons that um, Brady, once he clubbed her to the ground, he, he dragged her out of sight somewhere and then and then killed her. Now... Unsurprisingly, the their accounts differ greatly. Brady, on the other hand, says that Myra was there throughout the whole ordeal and even joined in with the rape and the killings. Um, yeah. I think so as well. I think so. The accounts differ in every single yeah, case. Yeah, of course they will, yeah, because she's trying to clearly get out of it and he's not trying to get out of it. He's just... He's not bothered now. No, nah, I didn't give a fuck. No. Don't care, mate. Um, and she's trying to sort herself out. Yeah. But... <laughs> <sighs> makes her work look worse, doesn't it, though? You know what I mean? Even though, obviously, he is probably the one who did the murders, so to speak. Yeah. So, Well, the attack on, on uh, young Pauline was uh, incredibly violent. He, Brady actually smashed her head in with a shovel to start with because they come to they knew they were going to kill someone and bury him, so mm. he'd got one with him. Once he'd started, you know, once he'd finished raping her and bashing her in, he cut her throat twice, apparently, uh, so deeply that it severed her spine and nearly decapitated her. Oh, I know. Poor fucking girl. She had a four-inch deep cut across her voice box, and Brady actually shoved her jacket into the... Like, started pushing it into her neck. I, I mean, what? was it an attempt to stop bleeding? I, I mean, I doubt it if you've nearly beheaded someone. No, I don't, I don't know. It's odd, that is. Yeah. They then buried her on the moors, and like we say, she, she wasn't discovered for over 20 years. Poor girl. And on the way home, they actually passed Pauline's mother and brother who were searching the streets for her because she hadn't come home. And uh, Myra Hindley reckons that Brady said, uh, if you show any signs of backing out or, or being weak, you're going to finish up in the same grave. I mean, again, it's very convenient for Myra to say that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And ironically, the only thing they found of Pauline was her glove. 
You know what I mean? Not right. the glove that Myra was... I know, it was her pa- glove. Pauline's glove. Yeah, she dropped a glove on the floor when she was... Oh, right. Weird, isn't it, man? Um, kind of ironic in a way. Yeah. Man. So Myra said that she was shocked by the outcry in the press. What? Yeah, well, she said that... Shocked by the outcry? Yeah. What, that 16-year-old's been murdered and disappeared? She thought, oh, oh I didn't think they'd be doing that. Y- yeah, only disappeared at this point. She was she was shocked at the outcry because she was 16 and not 8 or 9. She was like, well, she's an adult. She can do what she likes. It's like, okay. Hmm. I think you're a bit fucking unhinged. Yes. So they follow this pattern of abduction and murder in every single one of the cases. And after this, the first murder, they I think they felt invincible because nobody knew what had happened to her. She she might have been alive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Brady loved this. Cause there was speculation on the press. Did she ru- is she a runaway? And he was like, ha, 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 I know where she is. Yeah, she yeah, don't. Yeah. Sense of power and control over people again. Um, because the police had absolutely nothing to indicate the girl was even dead or anybody was involved, their sadistic urges grew because they felt invincible. They could, yeah, they felt like they could get away with it, yeah. And four months later, and I think it was actually the day after JFK was assassinated on the 23rd of November, 63, they murdered again. Now, they may have done it, because JFK was on the yeah, news. Yeah, might have just clicked in the head and went, oh. Well, they yeah. wanted to steal Should the headlines. Let's see if we can get the most powerful man in the world's news coverage taken off the TV with a, a you know a missing child case. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So almost exactly the same scenario, but this time early in the evening, Hindley lured a 12-year-old boy called John Kilbride into a car. He'd been at the movies with his mates and he'd stopped off at some markets in ashton under Lyme. Now, Kilbride did this most weekends. He stopped off just to help out. Like, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, the market traders would have all their boxes and shit everywhere. And the young lads would turn up, try and earn a few pence, sweeping up or whatever, man. So he's a helpful lad. You know, pays for the movies, pays for your day out, whatever. Shows eagerness. Again, Hidley does the groundwork. She approached John and asked him to help carry some boxes into her car. He's obviously a helpful lad Mm because he's there. So he agrees. Um, Brady was actually in the car this time, waiting and he said to to young John, he said, uh, "Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for thanks for coming along. Do you do you want a bottle of sherry for your, for payment?" And he was like, "Yeah, man, of course I do. I'm twelve. Yeah, I'll have a bottle of sherry." Brady's like, "Well, the booze is at my house. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll go and get it now. Hop in." So he gets in, and on the way, Myra actually said, uh, "We'll drop you home afterwards because it's getting late, and I'm sure your mum's extremely worried about you being out so mm. late. What a cunt." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, on the way, they made a detour saying, would you mind us help finding a, uh, <laughs> a glove? A glove. <laughs> oh, right, I guess. <laughs> Up on the moors. And like, He's a kid. He's not suspicious, is he? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, they all get out of the car, start searching for the glove, which doesn't exist. Brady attacks him more violently, probably because he's a, a lad. You know what I mean? He might be able to, to fight back somewhat. He's only 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? He dragged him away and then raped him. He tried to kill him by stabbing him and then cutting his throat with a serrated, like a bread knife type thing. Uh, but horrifyingly, that didn't work. So uh, he took off his shoelace and then, like, with a lad completely incapacitated, he wrapped it around his neck and just strangled him to death. I mean, the shoelace? With a fucking shoelace, yeah. I mean, what the fuck, man? Do you know what I mean? It's bad. It's ins- How can it... It's like it's not real. When people do things like yeah. this, when you hear these things, and even like we say, we've got a knife on the table here, which looks dodgy, but <laughs> yeah. But I pick it up and I, I'll do this, so I put it like that, and it on my stomach. 
oh my god no but um it doesn't feel real like that that yeah. it's possible to push it in I if you know what i mean it's weird stabbing's really personal way to kill someone isn't yeah it? yeah i mean violent as well really violent isn't it you're up close to someone looking yeah. at them as you fucking repeatedly it's horrible, horrible, horrible. So they buried him on the moors, and um, Brady took photographs of Myra Hindley crouching on his grave, and you can Google the images. Um, she look, doesn't look bothered. She's actually smiling. I'll, I'll probably include them in the um, episode mm. cover thing on, yeah, yeah. on social media, so you know you don't have to look for it. And if you want to look for more, you can. You know what you're looking for there. But John Kilbride's mother, she, uh, she, uh, I think her name was Sheila, she'd apparently cooking Christmas dinner every year and buying presents and put it all out on the table just on the off chance that he'd come back because no one knew he was dead. Yeah, like he disappeared. Just disappeared. It's fucking... God, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's sad, isn't it? It's so sad. So the police investigation into these two children's disappearance was understandably huge. It was massive. 2,000 people volunteered for the search. There was over 700 interviews and they had zero breakthrough or leads. Brady wasn't interviewed. Neither was... Uh, Hindley. Um, no breakthroughs, no nothing, because there's no bodies at this point. They're just missing children. Mm. You know what I mean? It makes you think that when you see like missing children posters, oh, uh, mm, sure what's m- happened to them, yeah. Fuck, you know what I mean? So Myra was viewing the murders at this point kind of like a ritual, like a fucked up marriage cer- ceremony that was binding them closer together. It's fucked up, in it, mate? Mm. And with each murder, they were becoming closer and closer and closer. Because they knew shit that other people didn't know. Yeah. Dark shit. So in between murders, they'd sit back and it seemed to... It seems that they enjoyed watching news coverage of the kids' disappearances. That was part of it. It wasn't... That wasn't, wasn't a byproduct. That was mm. something that they'd... They liked to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, it would, when the coverage would die down and it would drop from the headlines, they'd strike again. And they waited seven months before picking another victim. And this was 12-year-old Keith Bennett, and he was on his way to his grandmother's house on the, uh, I think it was the 16th of June, 1964, uh, when obviously Myra snatched him off the streets. Mm. He was actually walking with his mum. They were watching him walk with his mum, and she crossed the road to go off to go to work or something, and he had a tiny little bit of a fucking distance, you know, a couple of hundred yards, half a mile away to get to his grands. And again, same tried and tested format. Uh, She gets him in the car. It's not clear how, um, you know, they, they haven't said, and you can't exactly ask mm. the lad, can you? No. It doesn't really fucking matter. Probably just preying on his good nature. Obviously, drives him again up to the moors, where Brady was waiting this time. Uh, they drag him out of the car, down into a ravine, where they battered, raped, and murdered him. Now, the exact way he was killed is not known, due to lack of evidence, which will become apparent towards the end of this, while right. there's a lack of evidence. But it stands to reason that he, more than likely... Follow the same format, cut his throat, uh, potentially strangling him with a piece of string or shoelace or some shit. The same way uh, that, you know, they've done in every case. Yeah, yeah. They then buried his body on the moors. And to this day, Keith Bennett's body is still out there somewhere. Nobody has any idea where it is, which is awful. Yeah, because yeah, Keith's mom died not long ago, didn't Yeah, I think. 2012, I think. And um, she, obviously she was... Like sort of pleading with him to try and, which probably was a bad idea because he knows he's got power. Then, doesn't it? Yeah. To to get, tell it, tell her where he was. But yeah, she used to visit the moors regularly until her death. I'm pretty sure it was 2012. If I'm wrong, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Call me a div. So I think time diff. to have a um, 
Someone to get kettle on. Yeah. Have a drink. Have a cup of tea. Yeah, get kettle on, boil a cup of tea, and then we'll come back and um, talk about some fucking next level shit. Good in it so far. Yeah. Charming couple. Yeah, nice nice couple of murders. Shocking, isn't it? I just, uh, I, I find it, I find them all, all t- you know, all these, these killing cases really, really hard. But I don't know whether it was because I was doing it at Christmas. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Everyone's there going, oh, this is nice. Enjoying themselves. You look in the news, everyone's happy and it's fun researching like dead kids. Yeah. You bastards making me do this. By the way, uh, Carousel Sniper Victims episode, the Christmas special one was a good one. I don't know if you've listened to that with the uh, the Christmas Day murders. I haven't. I haven't no. listened to pretty much any podcast over. Well, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone, but go and listen to it because it's uh, it's good. So there's a, f- a few good murders in that one. That's my plan for this afternoon, then. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, maybe a couple of beers, sit back and get scared, fuckless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. So another six. We we'll get back to our our friends Brady and Hindley. Yeah, best mates. Six months passed before they killed again, and with the next so, victim, I was just gonna say. So they 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 kind of, well, it's obviously they they kind of give it a good bit of time bef- between each one as well. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of these serial killers which get caught, they're like that, and then suddenly they're like murdering every like day. Yeah, they escalate. Then, yeah, and then and then they get caught because they're murdering every day instead of like every six months. Yeah, it's it's not the way they the way this happens, the way they get caught is not like that. It's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. But we'll get into that very shortly. So six months passed before they killed again, as I said. Yeah. Um, but this time the next victim was a ten year old girl called Leslie Ann Downey, and shit gets extreme with this one. Um, Brady and Hinley, obviously seemingly not satisfied with just killing and disposing of children's bodies, they wanted to take trophies, so to speak. And immortalise the murder so they could relive it at a later date. Oh, right, so, okay. So, Leslie Ann, she went missing from a fairground on Boxing Day 1964, which made it particularly poignant when I was researching. Yeah, yeah, it's Boxing, Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Brady, um, they were they were both basically scoping the fair for, for the victim, and they spotted little Leslie standing by a ride. And she was, they watched her for, a, you know, a bit of time, and they noticed that she was 
actually by herself. Didn't appear to have any adults with her. She wasn't with any friends. Different times, man, wasn't it? Yeah. People didn't realise this shit was going down because I don't suppose news travels fast. So they don't realise that monsters are everywhere. Parents no. are quite happy to let kids go out. So when they figured out that she was by herself, they approached her, obviously with a plan, a preconceived plot, and they pretended to drop some, I think it was Hindley actually, pretended to drop some shopping on the floor. And she was like, oops, oh dear, would you mind helping us pick it up and take it to the car? And Leslie was like, yeah, okay, I will. And that was it. She was never seen again. Now, that, like I say, they took some risks with this one uh, because not only did they snatch her from a public place where they could have easily been seen yeah, yeah. and stopped. People could have gone, hang on a second, what's going on there, yeah? They actually took her to their house to do some really fucking bad shit. Uh, before killing her, which is, I mean, it's horrible, it really is. Um, because they took her to the house to, to dispatch her, so to speak, that they had to take a dead kid out of the house the following day to... Yeah, okay, right, yeah. Which, so which again is... Yeah, you've got to pick a good time to to do that, yeah. Yeah, the, the moors were their preferred place because it was remote, and this, oh, yeah. this is a, you know, it's a, a big, change. Like you said, it's like a 30-mile square sort of plot. Well, this particular, so. yeah, yeah. And not only did they kill her in the house, they actually made evidence. They um, they stripped her naked and forced her to pose in like a, well, sort of, you know, basically porn pictures. And they took a series of nine photos of horrific positions. And in one photo, I mean, you can, you can see the top half of this photo, uh, you, you know, online. She's gagged and crying. And th- when I saw that, and then I started researching what happened to her, I was like, I'm not fucking reading the transcripts of this. No. It's fucking too extreme. Because during the attack, they recorded a 16-minute audio tape of her pleading for her life. She was terrified, mate. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Hysterical, say. She was calling out for a mom and a dad. And the tape has, it's not been and never will be released. Mm. Um, and like we say, there are transcripts. It's too fucking much for me to read. I'm right. not gonna. I'm not gonna. If you want it, find it yourself. But whatever, it was very damning evidence because Brady and Hinley can clearly be heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and again, the poor child was sexually assaulted. Hinley was holding her down. She was deliberately tortured. Rumored to have had her fingers cut off before being murdered with a piece of string while she was tied up. Now, through the the tape recordings, you can hear horrific noises. I say here they've actually instead of you. Obviously, you can't hear it in a transcript, but they write down what's what what's happening. Yeah, like there's apparently like gurgling noises, crying, animalistic screaming, snapping noises. It's I mean, she's pleading for her life, mate, begging for God towards the end. Mm. It's it's a point that the point of her actual murder is recorded. Um, you know, and I, as far as I could say, uh, say I think the the last words she spoke was, "I want to go home, honest to God." It's it's horrible to read, horrible. No, yeah, I definitely think I'll I'll be reading that. Yeah, and because the killings were on Boxing Day, they were playing Christmas songs, and this song was being played in the background whilst they were raping and torturing her. It's called the Little Drummer Boy.
It's heavy stuff, isn't it? That. Yeah, it is. Was it that exact one? Yeah. As well, not yeah. like a because that one's been copied quite a lot, isn't uh, it? That's I think that's the original. I tried to get the original. I mean, I can't. Well, I imagine sh- it probably would have been the original around yeah. the time, wouldn't it? So cause it was a while back. But yeah, that's um, um, <laughs> it's really shocking. I mean, like I was just saying to Tom a minute ago, um, it's like one of these sort of background things in the movie when something goes wrong or something. There's a, a, an event which is about to happen, which changes the movie, and it goes into like a slow mo. And then you have this, like that sort of music in the background. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Is it? It's, it's kind of like that, but oh no! And it, it's especially hard when you know what the what that girl was was saying mm. and what what they were saying to her and what was happening. Yeah, you know what I mean. So the so the next day they took her obviously her dead body out of the house, which like we said is risky as fuck. Mm. And then they buried her up in a shallow grave upon the moors. And then we'll go on to the last victim here. He was a 17-year-old a apprentice. Uh, I think he was an engineer, uh, something like that. Anyway, called Edward Evans. Now, before we go into his his murder details, we've got to introduce another fella called Dave Smith, which will, for reasons that are going to become apparent shortly. Now, 17-year-old Dave Smith was Myra Hindley's brother-in-law. Okay. He was married to her younger sister, Maureen, who we mentioned at the beginning. Yes. Um, that's how Brady knew him, essentially. Now, Smith, he was a bit of a rogue by all accounts. He'd been done for burglary, actual bodily harm. And ironically, Myra Hindley's family didn't approve of him because of his criminal past. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, how little did they know? I know. It's crazy, that is, isn't it? And over the previous year, Brady had sort of, he, th- he thought he'd found a, k- a kindred spirit with like a like-minded criminal because Smith... Yeah, yeah, so it, it was chatting, probably chatting to each other, saying, what what do you think you could do here and that and this and that? Yeah, yeah, because he'd done shit and Brady had done shit. Brady wanted to... But Brady hadn't been caught for it. They've been, they've been caught for like little bits of robbery and stuff, but like not for obviously what's he's been doing recently. He wanted to impress him, I think. Mm. Um... So Brady, obviously, he had an eye for people like him, and uh, that's how he operated. He loved the sort of idolised attention Smith gave him, and he sort of made a conscious effort to cultivate their friendship mm-hmm. with like bullshit, ego-boosting stories, which obviously Smith lapped up properly. Because they're living in a fantasy world at this point. They've killed fucking four children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, completely they're kind detached. of feeling touchable. Yeah, they kind of... They are in their own world. I mean... After the first one, you would have been, but after four, I'm guessing it's kind of like spirals stupidly out of control, and that anything can happen because mm. you haven't been caught, and you just think, well, it's like it's not real in yeah. a way. It's like there's no ramifications for yeah. these fucking horrible acts that yeah. you commit him. So he, it seems like he wanted to either recruit him to their little murder club or potentially fuck off Myra entirely and replace her with this like-minded criminal that he's found oh, right, in Dave okay. Smith. Now, obviously, Myra is jealous as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Because she's totally infatuated with Brady. Yeah, and she can t- see this happening sort of thing. It's happening around her. She's, she said that he was a potential weak link and that could, you know, bringing him on board could lead to, you know, their safety being compromised. Uh, and Brady had sort of told Smith that he was in some way responsible or involved with the disappearance of the children that everybody was looking for. How much he told him, we don't know. Yeah, but I think anyone who says that, if you said that to me, if you went, I was somewhat responsible in, in the Maddie McCann, Madeline McCann case, for instance, I'd be going, right, sorry, Tom, I'm yeah, going to have to dob you in. Because, absolutely. Because you've clearly 
be either murdered or been involved with a murdered yeah, child. Absolutely. Fucking, you've killed someone, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Or you've at least covered it up. Yeah. So whether Smith actually believed Brady is, is, isn't known. Um, but on October the 6th, 1965, any doubt in his mind disappeared. So they went out looking again. Hindley drove to Manchester Central Railway Station, I believe, where Brady actually got out and did the hunting. All right, okay, have a way around this time. mixing it up a little bit. Mm. Now, he came back with 17-year-old Edward Evans, and the three of them drove back to Myra's grandma's house, where they were where they were living at the time. It's much riskier, this, because Evans is a man, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, but yeah he's 17, he's, yeah, he... He can fight back. As the RCs would say, he's full of spunk and ready to fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could be handy, man, he might yeah, be yeah. able to fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so it seems that Brady somehow enticed him into following him. He was a complete stranger. He didn't know him. On the premise of potentially having a party, free booze. Yep. There's all potentially a threesome with him and Myra. There's a few renditions on how they, you know, they got him. But that one's, I think that's more plausible. So, you know, booze, fun, yeah. you know, a bit of fucking sex or something. There's even reports that he picked him up at a gay club. But it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, back at Hindley's grandma's house, they're, they're chilling with a with a, a bottle of wine. According to some lines, they have a, a threesome, and Brady gave him a blowy. I mean, we know he's doing. He was a pedophile. Yeah, we know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So why wouldn't he do that? Mm. Whatever. Now the, there was a plan, though. It wasn't just obviously they brought him back for a fucking reason. Mm. <clears throat> now Myra, on Brady's order, called Dave Smith, who was on standby. He's been told, "Yeah, we're going to give you a call in a bit to come round or whatever." So Myra called him and said, "Wait outside the back door." All planned in advance. This isn't a botched job, what no, happened. Yeah, this yeah. is what they wanted. So Smith waited outside the kitchen, and he was told that when Myra flashes a, a flashlight through, that's your cue to knock on the door. So he does. Bang, bang, bang. He's got no idea what's about to happen. Brady answers the door, and in a loud voice, because Evans is in the front room, Brady's mm-hmm. in the kitchen, which is at the back, he uh, he says, oh, have you come for these miniature bottles of wine? Wink, wink. He said that, like, just in case Evans is listening. Yeah. He thinks he's there having a party or whatever. Anyway, Brady invites Smith in, and he says, wait in the kitchen, wait here, don't move, and then he walked back into the lounge. Now, Smith says, what he told the police anyway, he said a minute later he heard a gut-wrenching, high-pitched scream, followed by Myra Hindley screaming for Dave to come in and help. She was like, Dave, come in, man, we've got fucking issues. <laughs> so he's come running through, mm. and he found Brady and Evans in a, in a full-on fucking fist fight. Yeah. They're, they're obviously yeah, yeah. Sort of fighting for his life. Brady had an axe in his hand, so, so poor old you know, Evans, he's... He's just been dragged into this, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got hit, and he fell to the floor, kind of like with his... Who, who got hit? Sorry, Dave or... Ev- Evans. Evans. Oh, the young lad, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave Smith is just standing in the door yeah, at this right, point. Yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Because he's just been called through, and he's he's seeing the fight, and yeah, yeah. Brady's got an axe, and he goes, smack. Evans goes down, hits the floor, lands with, like, his back against the sofa, and his legs out straight, and his head and his shoulders are sort of back on the, on the cushion, if you can sort of picture that. And... Um, he says that Brady stood over him, legs either side of his hips, and then just fucking started smashing his head in with an axe. Just bosh, 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 and then wrapped an electrical cord around his neck and finished him off. He just murdered him. I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't expecting that. No, no. He thought he was having a drink or something. Yeah, he'd be like, what the fuck, yeah? Fucking shit. So he just did that in front of somebody. He doesn't know what Dave Smith's going to do. No, he doesn't know if he's going to join in or, or go, right... He could have done him. He could have. He could have done him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or he could have just gone right. Okay. Um. Yeah. See you tomorrow and gone to the police. 
Well, it, this, it seems to be like a test to see if he was up for it because he was a criminal, you see. Yeah. Brady wanted to see how much of a criminal you really are. Kind of like shows how completely unhinged uh, Myra Hindley and Ian Brady had become at this point because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just openly murdering yeah, someone. Yeah, in front of, yeah, they pulled someone in and said, look at this. It's yeah. like a v- public viewing. Yeah. It's an execution. Mm. It's fucking. But Brady sprained his ankle in the fight because Evan was, I think, giving him as much Having as he go, could yeah, back. Yeah. Um, and because of this, he couldn't carry um, Edwards Evans' body. He, he was he just fucking couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So he said to uh, Dave Smith, carry his body, get it in the car. So Smith's like, okay, he's not going to argue at this point. He's just seen a fucking murder. I mean, he's just he's just doing saying anything he needs to do to get the fuck out of Dodge. I think, to be honest, by the d- once I saw him, them strangling, I think I would have legged it. Well, yeah, that could really, w- really fuck him over. Then that would. I think he did the right thing by uh, helping them in inverted commas. Right, okay. Running might have yeah. resulted in uh, you being attacked, and if you just appear to be complicit, if you got a, if you got a clear exit though, then do it. But if you didn't, then yeah, I suppose you might have to play. But he, he couldn't carry the body into the car because it was too heavy. So um, they wrapped him up in a plastic sheet and put him upstairs in a spare room. I don't know how, if he's too heavy to get in a car, how he managed to get him upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's what he did. Um, and all this was, whilst all this was going down, Myra Hindley's gran was asleep upstairs. What? <laughs> she haven't got a fucking clue. Are you spry? Yeah, it's <laughs> granny spry. <laughs> so he's obviously recognising the situation. He's just saying everything he needs to do to make his massage yeah, and his to get, ego. To get out, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually said, you know what, mate? I'll come back tomorrow and help you get rid of the body. Yeah, yeah. We'll dig a hole and we'll fuck it off somewhere. And Brady's thinking, yes, he's I've one got of him. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Smith walks out and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, straight to the bullet, yeah. Jesus, so he went home and told Maureen, who is Hindley's... Um, sister, mm. and she was like, "Police now!" Yeah. So obviously they go and tell the police what they've just witnessed. The feds turn up at six a.m. the following morning because okay, I think yeah. he was with them. Well, yeah. It's, sometimes it's probably better to do that, isn't it? Because they're w- going to be on edge until uh, through the night. They might go. Oh, he's not said anything because yeah. they haven't come around. So they actually turned up um, with uh, baker's tops on uh, to not disguise. Like, yeah. yeah. So if they saw him coming up the drive, they wouldn't. They come up the front and the back and in Baker's. So when they came in, they said, "Listen, mate." Uh, uh, to be honest, I think I'd find that a bit more more disturbing as the murderer. I'd go, to Baker's. Right, there's no there's no policeman, right? But there are four Bakers coming to our house <laughs> from every direction. Is that Ringo Starr? <laughs> yeah, Ringo, John, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Apparently, Brady was calm as fuck. He was just sitting down in the lounge, not bothered, didn't care. Uh, the police searched the house. Completely top to bottom, they couldn't get into the room where Evan's body was because mm-hmm. the door was locked. So they say to Myra, "Open the fucking door." She's like, "Can't, haven't got the key. It's at work, apparently." Bullshit. So the police are like, "Okay, we'll just go to work. We'll go to where do you work? Jump in the car. We'll get the key. The door's fucking opening." At that point, Brady just says, "All right, just give him the fucking key. Open it. Just there's no fucking point." And inside, obviously, they find. Edward Evans' body battered to fuck, wrapped mm. up in plastic. So Brady was Im- arrested immediately on suspicion of murder. Mm-hmm. And all Brady said to them is that we had an argument and it got out of hand but with an axe. And he actually said that Dave Smith did the killing. So he's trying to palm it off immediately. Right. It's obviously sort of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hindley wasn't arrested at first because um, Brady said that she wasn't involved. She just said, no, nah, no, nah, it was... Uh, it was, I got in a fight, but Smith did it. She wasn't involved. Um, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. But because Smith had said that was potentially more evidence, because he was bragging about the crimes of these yeah, yeah, disappearance yeah. of kids, he told the police that 
Brady said that there's there's a suitcase with with evidence of of um, with information regarding the other children's disappearances in. So they they searched the house and they found a luggage storage ticket in Myra Hindley's prayer book for a suitcase that they had stored at Manchester railway station. So they went to the station, got the fucking ticket, opened it up, and inside the case they find pornographic pictures of them fucking with white hoods on, mm-hmm. all that fucking malarkey, as well as the obviously horrifying pictures of of a bound and gagged ten year old girl mm. uh, with a sixteen minute audio recording of her death, and the police were like. Fucking game on you, cunts. Yeah, yeah. And Hindley was arrested immediately after that. That was, I think, that was the 11th of October, 1965, mm-hmm. that she was arrested. <clears throat> so after a full, complete search of the house, because now they know that there's some, f- yeah, yeah, some shit going on here. Yeah, they found a notebook full of crazy drawings, just weird shit. And on one name, on one page, there was a name, and the name was John Kilbride. And at this point, he was just a missing child. So they were like, "What the fuck?" Why have you got a missing child's name written in a book that we found in a house where a dead person was found? Yeah, yeah. And we've just opened a fucking suitcase and there's... there's a, another dead person's stuff and loads of porn and shit and... Yeah, yeah. So they put two and two together and realised that they were probably, more than likely, responsible in some way. Yeah, yeah. He's probably written it down. He's probably been listening to the radio or watching the telly or whatever, right? And it's the, the missing boy, um, John... Kilbride, Kilbride, yeah. yeah, Kilbride's propped up, and he's just gone. Right, that's his name. Write it down. Yeah, well, whatever it was, man. But that was enough for them to realise that there's a link there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, upon searching further, they find shitloads of photos in like um, the bedside cabinet of porn pictures of themselves, and loads of photos taken at a few locations on on what looked like Saddleworth Moor. So they were like, okay, yeah, uh, okay. We're sort of piecing together what may well have happened here, and the, the photos are disturbing. You can, you know, you can see. Apparently, they return to the graves where these kids were buried and have sex on top of them, eat picnics, and and drink booze. It's fucked up, isn't it? That's fucked up. It's fucked up. And Myra Hindley's dog, I think he was called Poppy, I believe, was in a lot of the photos. Mm-hmm. And in some pictures, the dogs are Poppy on the graves, and in other pictures, it's fully grown. So they know that there's a period of time yeah, here yeah. that has elapsed. And what they were doing, they actually got a vet to run some tests on the dog to try and figure out its age to see if the puppy pictures on the moors co- time yeah, frame yeah, yeah, yeah. coincided with, you know... The with age the, of it now, so it could be like the three kids or four, yeah. And well, then, when the kids had yeah, disappeared, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously the, it did. So yeah. they were like... The dog was actually um, put under to to have like some tests. I don't know, fucking teeth put down. I think that's a bit harsh. Well, it it died. It died during the examination, just by one of them things. Yeah. And Myra Hindley went fucking skits when she found out that her dog was dead. It was the only time that she showed any emotion at all. Mm. She went nuts. She was like, "You fucking killed my dog!" And they're like, "What are you in here for?" Yeah. Have a think about this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking shocking. And on the 16th of October, 1965, 10 days after their arrest, police found an arm bone sticking out of the ground on the moors. Uh, initially, they thought it was the body of John Kilbride because of the note in the book. Yeah. But after digging, they realised that it was a girl. And they were like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We were looking for a lad here. Yeah, yeah. And is it, it linked to him? It might not be, yeah. It's, it's, you know what I mean? That's they, what they'd be thinking. We're going, oh, shit, it might not be linked to... 
Well, they got the tape recording of a girl being killed. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. And then obviously it was it was Leslie Ann Downey, and she was found completely naked, wearing just the shoes and the socks, and her clothes were put in a pile uh, by her feet. And Leslie's mother was shown the clothing, you know, in order to help the coppers identify who it was. And five days later, about 100 metres from where they found Leslie, police unfortunately discovered a badly decomposed body. It turned out to be John Kilbride, and he was identified by his clothing. On the same day, 21st of October 1965, Hindley and Brady, who had only been charged for Edward Evans' murder, were charged with the murders of John Kilbride and Leslie Ann Downey. Now, they suspected that they were responsible for Pauline Reed and Keith Bennett, yep. but they had no evidence. And like yep. we said at the beginning, that's wait 20 fucking years to get that. And the trial was held in Chester, and it lasted 14 days, starting on the 19th of April 1966. The public were fucking outside, just going, right. Yeah, where's the hammer? Just yeah. fucking get them, the cunts. And like they really feared that something was bad was going to happen. And they put bulletproof uh, like um, glass around them when they were in the docks to protect yeah. them. Because they thought random dudes just, just going to blast them. Just going to come and shoot them, yeah. You know what I mean? Both Hindley and Brady obviously p- pleaded not guilty. Which you would. It's going to infuriate everyone else even more. But in the face of the evidence, I mean, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Brady actually admitted that he took the photos of Leslie Ann, but he claimed that two men brought her, the 10-year-old girl, to his house, and they and he also says that they took her away alive and he had nothing to do with it. Uh, photos of her were displayed in court, bound and gags, with tears streaming down her face, and the tape of, as we said at the beginning, the tape of 10-year-old Leslie was played in court, and people just fled, completely traumatised, coppers were crying. I mean, I can see why. It's, you know... Leslie Ann's mother had to listen to the tape to identify her daughter's voice. And believe me, man, if them transcripts are, and they're just words, or anything to go by, that would send me to an early grave. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't hack that. I wonder if they just picked bits. You know what I mean? They would have had to pray the whole lot. Oh, my God. They would have have had to pray the whole lot. That's what they do. So when Myra was questioned about the tape in court, she said that when Leslie was being undressed, she was downstairs... And when the, the, the porno pictures of this little girl was taken, she was looking out the window. And when Leslie was strangled to death, Myra was running her a bath. She's mm, just, you know what yeah. I mean? Fuck, man. So they got lucky, actually, Hindley and Brady. Very lucky, because the death penalty in England was abolished one month after their arrest. And by the time they'd gone to court and been found guilty, the risk of execution was gone. Yeah, it didn't exist anymore. It's gone. On the 2nd of May, 66, they were sentenced to whole-life tariffs, which means they're never going to be released. Ever. That tape sealed the deal. Brady was guilty for three murders, Leslie Ann, Edward Evans, and John Kilbride, and Hindley was found guilty for Evans and Leslie Ann. There was no evidence at this point linking them to the disappearances of Pauline Reed and Keith Bennett. No mm-hmm. bodies had been found. They knew they'd done it. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But like you say, if there's no evidence, it's kind of like, you know... Well, what they did is they had to, they had to essentially break them down and let time take its toll. And when Hindley truly realised that she was never, never getting out of prison, she began to talk. That was mm-hmm. it. Took twenty-one years, twenty-one years of incarceration before she even uttered a word. Yeah. And she confessed on the tenth of February, nineteen eighty-seven, in a in a seventeen-hour recorded interview. She admits her involvement in all five murders, but says she wasn't present when the killings took place, which is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And Brady was, appro- was approached by the coppers and said, listen, Hindley's confessed 
And he was like, no, she fucking hasn't. We didn't do it. So the police told him specific details mm. that she'd relayed to them about these two other murders yeah. that only they could know. And he was like, oh, fuck, yeah. She has told you, hasn't she? Okay, I'll confess, but I'll only do it on the grounds that you give me the means to kill myself. I want to commit suicide. That's what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, we can't do that. And he went, okay, I'll keep my mouth shut then. I ain't saying shit. He's just... Because he knew that they wouldn't do that. Yeah. If you want to kill yourself, mate, fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. You don't need you don't need police permission to kill yourself. Just fucking do it. But it didn't really matter because Hindley Hindley told them everything that they needed to know, that, 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 like even where the search started. Because the photographs that they had, she said, use them as locators because they didn't know what these pictures initially were. There was loads of them everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And she says that that one there, that one there. Find that place. Bingo, you know what I mean? Mm. They actually both visited the moors separately several times in the mid-80s, in police custody, obviously. Massive press everywhere, helicopters flying, just to help and try and identify the burial sites. And on the afternoon of the 1st of July, 1987, 20 years after the murders and more than 100 days of continuous searching using the photographs of Hindley on the graves, they found a body lying in a shallow grave, only three foot deep. Uh, it was a hundred yards from where they found Leslie Ann. So it when they dug far, her up yeah. them years ago, there was an, there was she was really really close, and it was Pauline Reed, and the, the body was still wearing a pink party dress for that dance that she was going to, and a coat. And uh, when she was discovered, Brady confessed to her murders, but still said fuck all about Keith Bennett because mm. he's playing fucking games. On the twenty first of August, nineteen eighty seven. Police called off the search. They hadn't found Keith Bennett's body. And as of yet, like we've already said, he still hasn't been found. Brady loved it. Yeah, and he's gone now. So Yeah. Well, he, he was taking the police on a wild goose chase on these searches. Yeah. And they had no choice but to uh, allow him. They had to let him take them. Just in case he was telling the truth. But like... I just wouldn't bother. I'd go, no, you're not allowed out, mate, now. Well, they, that's know? what they said in yeah. the end. Yeah. i go like, no, it's okay. That's it. It's probably not, it sounds silly, but it's probably like the same sort of thing. It's probably not far from the other ones, but, you know, that, that 300 yards in the circle is a lot to be digging up for yeah. something you might not be able to find. Yeah. They've actually used satellite technology, I think, now oh, to try and... Yeah, to try, they've mapped out the ground and done all that yeah, shit. Yeah, they've done something to try and see if recently dug areas and things like that, but it's fucking difficult, man. It's so not p- recently dug, though, now, is it? You know what I mean, as well? Uh, yeah. Was it Geofizz or something like that? I don't know. 3D, they do have a 3D one, don't they? 3D Geotech thing. That might yeah, help. But yeah. Uh, but because know. the police called the search off, the public then donated money. They they called it off then, um, but the police, the, the public were like, look, here's a fucking load of dough. We're going to find him. And it's fucked, man, because we know they killed them two kids. Yeah. But they've never been charged for their murders. Yes, they got away with it. In but a way. They didn't, but they did. Well, the reason being, the reason why they didn't charge them is because... I mean, even when they found Pauline Reed, they didn't charge her for the murders because they're serving whole life tariffs. They're never going to come out. Yeah. Well, what what more can you possibly do? The thing is, as well, though, they might know, but how how do they go? Yeah, you they you you know linked to their disappearance, but how do you know that Debbie was it? Debbie was it? Who? Deborah. Pa- Pauline. Uh, Pauline. Sorry, she may have run off, and even though it's highly unlikely, it's probably ninety nine point nine percent certain that she did didn't, and she's been murdered. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know that w- that that tiny point zero one percent might be that she did. She just went. Do you know what? I've had enough. I'm off. You don't. And know you can't blame yeah. someone for murder until you've got something on them on it. <sighs> Hindley in prison that said um, 
she she did all the right things to try and make it look like she was a reformed person. Um, even though she kept contact with with Brady till 1971, protesting her innocence, mm. but yet remaining in a relationship with a convicted. If you're innocent, you're not you're not going to stay in a relationship with a convicted child killer no. if you haven't done exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that would have been broken off as soon as a, without even saying, uh, do you know what, this ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it, by that point? The day that he fucking drugged me and said he was testing it out on his, for his dog, I would have, that would have been it. Yeah, I would have gone, there's, there's something else going on here. Ringo Starr or no Ringo Starr, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't care if your dad's Ringo. <laughs> so she'd actually started a, a lesbian rela- a relationship with a, a female prison guard, which is, I've been asking her some fucking questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know that she's fucking killed kids? Maybe she's a spy. Maybe they use her to try and get some more evidence. And she's also, um, yeah, that could be. Could be. You never know. You never know, mate. You never know. Apparently it's quite common, though, for guards to, you know, get lizzing up. Mm. She actually started a, uh, a relationship with Rose West, enjoying many oh, an hour she? muff diving with her. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Apparently she did. Mur- um, murderer on murderer lesbian scene. Well, again, another person that you would, if you were innocent... You wouldn't want to be associated with a your boyfriend who's a convicted killer, and you certainly wouldn't get into involved in a, a lesbian, sexual relationship. Yeah, a lesbian off with another murderer, with definitely. A, with yeah, a child killer, killer yeah. and daughter. She made several appeals against her life sentencing, claiming that she was no longer a danger to society. <laughs> and the copper said, "All right, then, if we release you, what line of work do you want to get into on the outside? Say prostitute or something? She would say, I want to work with children." <laughs> yeah, um, no, you, you don't get the grasp of all of this, do you, Myra? The fuck are you talking about, yeah. you dumb slut? You can see the headlines: Myra Hindley released, gets job as school teacher. Yeah, head teacher. <laughs> you know what I mean? She tried to obviously make out Brady was the evil one, but Brady went on a hunger strike in 1999, and miraculously, it lasted for 17 years. That's good, though, isn't it? It's yeah. Good hunger strike. Complete bullshit. He's, no, he's obviously like near, near enough like a god, by the sound of it, if he cannot eat for 17 years. Well, he had a tube <laughs> put in, and they were yeah, yeah. feeding him, but apparently he'd just pull the tube out whenever he wanted, and he'd eat, sometimes eat three meals a day. He's just a fucker, man. He just wanted to be the centre of it. He wanted yeah, the yeah. press to talk about yeah, him. Yeah. Just more control, you know what I mean? And he kept to the location of Keith Bennett's body, as we say, he's never been found, gr- till, he was, till he was dead. Yeah. He, he, I mean, like, even in his last hours, the coppers said to him, do the right thing when he was on his deathbed. Yeah, yeah. They were like, tell us. And he was like, nah, man. Not saying a single fucking thing. Frick. Fuck you. Yeah. Cost three million pounds. It's cost the UK taxpayer three million quid for Brady's hunger strike healthcare. Just for that. And he wasn't even on hunger strike. Hindley died 15th of November 2002, age 60. Brady pegged it on the 15th of May uh, 2017, age 79. I think he had like bad heart or something. But like I say, kept everything, all information, even in his dying fucking hours, wouldn't say a single, he's like, nah man, fuck you. Dickhead. Winnie Johnson, the mother of Keith Bennett, would visit the Moors, like we said at the beginning, proper regularly. Yeah. Shocking man, and he wouldn't give him closure. Prick! Yeah, utter prick. I mean... Fucking mad, isn't it? Yeah. I I don't know what to say to it, you know what I mean? It's just like... You're on your deathbed, right? I suppose most people, in a, in a moral way, would would go, "Look, yeah, you know what? You know that I've done it. Um, I have been a dick. I'm about to die. Um, sh- I know that the mother's dead already as well, even though that's got nothing to do with it." You go, "The the body is 
third tree on the left next to the, the round stone or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And go, there we mm. go. Or Just at, least, at least help point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sort of yeah, some sort of area maybe just to say, but it just didn't bother. If you can't remember the exact location, if you can't remember the exact location that you buried a body, you're taking it very, very fucking in a stride. I, I don't understand why that. You know, there's like like truth drug thing, isn't there? Where it makes you sort of tell the truth. Why didn't they just put that into his food pipe and up his nose and try and fucking get it out of him that way? I don't know. Probably against his human rights, mate. I don't give a shit about his human rights. Fucking exactly. Dickhead. So there we are. Moore's murders. Nice. Savage bunch of cunts. It's a good start to the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next week will be fun. The week after will be fun. The week after will be fun. And after that, I've had enough of fucking stabbings. Yeah, murderers. Murderers come back. So I reckon that'll sort us out then for today. Yeah. Well, if you want to contact us, just go onto Google, type in Robots for Eyes. We come up with all our areas on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, where the the email address is robotsforeyes at gmail.com, I think. It is. Is it? Yeah, that's, I'm going to try and remember that now. <laughs> Dot com, it's the world one, not the UK one. <laughs> yeah, That's world. how I'm going to remember it. Um, um, give us all your cash on a <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Buy a million T-shirts. Oh, give, yeah. them, give them to the homeless in Africa. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, we can all live a happy life and talk about murderers more often. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> so we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.